You see the new logo, man. We're moving. We're shaking. Cabo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode... I think we called out the wrong episode last time, but uh, we'll get it right today. Welcome to episode 272 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate and review and punch down on that subscribe button. If you'd like to support the podcast, share this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, share it on Twitter, Facebook, tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Another great way to support the podcast is check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. There's two tiers, and on one of those tiers, you will receive bonus, Patreon-only, exclusive Combo's Court episodes. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Today's show, John Krasinski of The Athletic joins in to talk Timberwolves basketball, a fantastic conversation with John. You can find John on Twitter at John Krasinski. That's J-O-N-K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. John Krasinski of The Athletic. Welcome to Combo Score, man. How are you feeling today? Doing great, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. John covers the Vikings, which we probably won't get into today. Uh, he covers the Timberwolves. And he had a long career with the Associated Press. How's that transition been for you from the AP to, uh, to The Athletic? Yeah, it's been fun. You know, like I, I was with uh, for a long time with the AP, and that was, uh, you know, kind of the one of the world's largest and, and, and oldest news gathering organization has been around for hundreds of years and, and, and has a really established reputation and all that. And so then to kind of leave there and go to a brand new startup and, and really kind of be on the ground floor of something different uh, has been really fun. And it's given me a little more freedom to kind of pursue things differently and, and do the job in a different way that provides a little more depth and a little more detail to some of the reporting that I've been able to do and also just to see it kind of grow as quickly as it has like that's all been really really fun to be a part of so it's it's been uh it's been a good thing so far yeah covering the olympics what was that like for you especially covering maybe a sport that you're not as familiar with like a basketball or a football yeah i i mean i really enjoyed it you know just to be able to see different parts of the world that i'd never been to london russia rio um you know, to, to be in, in kind of in those other cultures and, and see that was awesome experience. And then it's also, I think, good for a reporter to be out of your comfort zone. And yes. to, to in, any, in anything in life, I think, John. It, yeah, exactly. Yep. And so like there were times I was covering field hockey. There was times I was covering even track and field where like I know the events, but like I don't know the athletes as well. I don't know kind of all of the the things that you have to do to, to be great at it and, and what's the key to, to, to doing well at it. And so really to immerse myself in that and, and, and try and learn new things that I, that I wasn't familiar with. It, it really pushed me and And it was kind of good because, you know, you, you get to a point where you've covered basketball for so long and football for so long that you feel you have a really good handle on things. Um, but that was a case where like, I knew I, I didn't know a whole heck of a lot about it. And so I really had to study. I really had to kind of, 
learn as much as I could and pay attention to everything going around me. And so it really made me kind of buckle down. And, and that was, I think, a good thing. John, going into last year's draft, I was really high on Anthony Edwards, really because of his ceiling. So watching him play this year, what do you feel his ceiling is? Who man, I mean, his ceiling is a franchise player, uh, you know, the kind of player that that can, you know, lift a team deep into the playoffs. Uh, I Will he hit that ceiling? We'll see. I don't know. But you look at his physical tools, you look at kind of the way that he can use his strength, his speed, his his agility to really overpower opponents and he's 19 years old and you think about where he's going to be when he's 24 years old when he's 26 years old right I mean it's it's terrifying to think of that if he stays on the right path and develops the right way and puts in the right amount of work I mean all of that the sky is the limit and then you know the other part of it is is that you look at his mentality um he is an infectiously funny kid um he is a charismatic dude that teammates are really drawn to and so you can kind of see you know, how he can eventually be in a place where he's a leader in that locker room and people want to work hard for him and want to kind of, you know, not let him down and, and, and that sort of thing. And when you have that kind of combination of the personality with the physical makeup, um, there's just very few players in the, you know, in the league that can do that. And this is a talent rich league. Like this is a, you know, a, a golden era of talent in the NBA, but um, you saw him at 19 years old, really just, you know, when he was rolling, there was nothing that any of these guys could do with him. And so um, he's still so raw too. Like if he yeah. continues to refine those skills, like, holy cow. I mean, it's a, it's possible that you, you would look in five, six years and say, this guy is a, you know, all NBA player year in and year out. He's a regular all-star and he's a guy that, you know, that if you have on your team that you're going to be in the playoffs. And then it's just a matter of supplementing him with the teammates that it takes to get him to, you know, to all the way. Yeah. A lot about being a superstar is consistency, but when you just look at some of the individual plays, you go, wow, that, that, that's a superstar. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. He, I mean, just the, you know, the shooting, the, the, yeah. the, the will to go to the basket. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, the true superstars you see like that no matter what a defense throws at them, they're going to figure it out. And even at just 19 years old, he had those nights where he said, there's nothing Phoenix can do with him. There's nothing, you know, Portland can do with him. Like, and, and so to, to have that at such a young age just shows that, you know, the ability and the potential is there to be like that consistently. And that's, you know, that's pretty promising. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of missed games this year by a lot of the players uh, with the Timberwolves. What did you make of the season? You know, ups, downs. I mean, we saw some potential. I really like the young core they have. Uh, just what did you make of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, certainly the first half of the season was was really tough to evaluate. I mean, you yeah. know, they're 7-24, and 24, but they literally never had – Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, you know, everyone on the floor at the same time. Right. Just, so, you, you, you know, as bad as it was, you were looking at it and saying, you know, how bad really is it? We don't know. Like, I mean, there's plenty of people certainly who doubted that Towns and Russell could be a, an effective pairing, but you had no evidence to say one way or the other. Now, post All-Star break, as Towns came back, as Russell came back, you did start to see them have show the ability to 
um, be competitive. And I think that was important. Um, you know, they needed to show that there was some sort of scenario where a Towns, Russell, Edwards core could win games against competitive teams. And they did that. They beat Utah twice. They beat Miami. They beat Golden State. They had they had some moments there that you said, okay, at least this is worth exploring more. Um, you know, going deeper into the roster, yeah, like Jaden McDaniels, uh, you know, he looked really impressive as a rookie. Uh, Nas Reed developed really nicely in his second year. Um, you, you know, you had yeah. Ricky Rubio got better as the year went on. And so they finished the season, I think, feeling like there was a reason to be optimistic going into the future. They still have a ton of work to do with the roster, with player development, with those things to get into the playoff picture in the West. But at least you saw a pathway forward that, you know, is feasible and possible for it. Um, and, you know, prior to the all-star break, you were looking at it and saying, man, this, this, this franchise is stuck. They're going nowhere. Roster moves in the offseason. I mean, we hear a lot of trade rumors, but just terms of positions and what they like to do with the roster, what do you feel like would be some great moves they could make? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, the first thing that they got to figure out is, are they going to have a draft pick or not? You know, um, so yeah. when they get the lottery and they you get a top three, if they get a top three pick and they hold on to it, not only are gonna, they going to get a really, really good player, but it's also going to be a big chunk of salary that really eats into any available flexibility they have going forward. So um, if they get that player, if they get that pick and they get a Cunningham or a Mobley or a Suggs or somebody like that, then you say, okay, that's their big move of the off season. Like that's the big addition and they'll probably make some tweaks um, to it around the edges, but, um, but that's what they'll move forward with. If they don't get it, um, then you're looking at, okay, what kind of things can they do to, um, to kind of shuffle some things around and, and continue to, to supplement around Edwards Towns, Russell, and, you know, maybe, maybe they could trade Ricky Rubio. Um, he doesn't have a ton of value, but he has a $17 million expiring contract. Maybe they can put that into it to a deal. I would think that teams will call on Malik Beasley and, and see if he's available. And so, if you have, you know, a, a situation where you can add a power forward next to towns that they really like in a trade, maybe, and if you have to give up Malik Beasley to do it, I think they look hard at that. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think Jarrett Culver could be on the move. We'll see what goes there and what kind of value that he has. Um, the other thing that they'll really explore is maybe they bring Leandro Balmero over from Spain. He had a really good season. Uh, he's had a really good season in Spain. And he has still has a buyout that they kind of have to negotiate, but he right. would be a nice rotation piece as well. So uh, there, there's a few things that they can look at. Um, they have a few options that that they go, but a lot of it is contingent on what happens in the lottery and 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 whether they have that pick or not. Who do you feel the best player in the draft would be for the Timberwolves, not named Kate Cunningham? Um, well, I mean, everyone loves Suggs here because he's the local kid. He's from Minneapolis, and I, I love him as a player, as a playmaker, as a shot maker. Um, so I could see him fitting well. I also, but I'm super intrigued by Evan Mobley. Um, you know, he's a big dude. He is mobile. He can pass it. He can protect the rim. He can rebound. And what the wolves need a lot more of is Carl Anthony Towns needs help in the front court with rebounding, with defending, with doing some of the little things, um, that, what that allow him to kind of focus a lot on the offensive end and what Towns did show late in the season 
is that he does have the ability to defend a little bit on the perimeter. So he doesn't necessarily have to play the five um, all the time. And so if you bring in a, a, another big like Mobley and you have more of a, of a sort of twin towers look with them in the front court, that would be interesting because I think the league is getting bigger. I mean, LeBron and Anthony Davis, you look at Memphis and how big they are. You look at, you know, a lot of the teams around the league that just big strong Philly, like they're, they're big, strong teams that are kind of going a little bit away from small ball. And so that would be a name that I'd take a long, hard look at if they got the number one or number two pick and, and said, okay, should we reconfigure what we're doing here to get more strength, more size and be tougher in the paint, which they have not been for a long time. What does a rod's purchase of the T wolves be for the franchise? Hey, you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, Glenn Taylor has owned the team since 1995. He's an 80 year old guy, small town owner has really kind of run things in more of a mom and pop way um, for, for a long, long time. And now transitioning to A-Rod and Mark Laurie, um, they are younger, kind of more forward thinking, entrepreneurial, kind of aggressive, competitive dudes that are going to come in and I think really change a lot of the culture around the team and try and bring a little different energy to the process. And so um, I, is it going to be good or bad? I don't know yet. We have to see what they, how they act and what kind of moves they make um, in their, um, you know, in their early days here. But you can definitely know that they are going to bring a different vibe. And I think that at this point, 28 years into Glenn Taylor's ownership with where the team is at, a different vibe is probably a good thing. So we'll see how that goes. I would agree. What do you make of the chatter about relocation for the franchise? I just think right now, I think it's a lot of it is overblown. I mean, you never say never with this stuff, but you know, given that the league wants to expand to Seattle and Las Vegas, probably Las Vegas um, to get that expansion money, um, if they do that and expand to those two, I don't really see a place that's better for the Timberwolves to go than where they are right now. I mean, St. Louis, Kansas City, there's a couple of other places that would maybe come up, but those markets are not nearly the size of, of, of the Twin Cities. I think the league really does want a team to work here because it is a big market, 13th largest in the league right now. And, and so it's valuable that way for them. And, and so um, I think that all of the energy is going to be put into keeping this team here, making it competitive here and, and, and putting, um, putting a lot of those talks to rest. Now, because these guys who are coming in are not from Minnesota, they don't have any allegiance to the area there. You always have to wonder about it. And I think that the, the target center arena needs to be addressed in some ways as well, whether you build a new one or you, whether you renovate this one to make it much kind of more modern, um, you know, something like that will have to happen. But I just think all in all, um, I would bet against them moving anytime in the near future. Yeah, back to basketball, more on court, but actually on the sidelines. Uh, how would you grade Chris Finch's head coaching job this season? I think he did a really nice job. I mean, he came in in very chaotic circumstances, kind of comes in from another team right in the middle of the season. It's a very unconventional way to do things. He was coaching a roster that he didn't know. He was working with assistant coaches that he didn't know very well. And yet he still kind of gave the team a better sense of identity, a little bit more organization offensively, um, certainly kind of helped 
Anthony Edwards ascend quicker I think so um, in, in his role. Uh, I think he maximized D'Angelo Russell a, a lot a lot better than what had been going on. And so there's a lot of uh, reason to be optimistic about him. You think of what he could do with the full summer, being able to pick some of his assistant coaches, being able to kind of have dialogue with players and set kind of standards and expectations all summer and then through a full training camp. I think that will really, really help him. I think he's a smart guy. Um, I think he sees the game really well. And so um, he just – he, he has a good way of, of not only um, uh, coaching the guys and, 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 and setting standards, but also holding them accountable when they're not doing what they want, what, what they need to be done, what needs to be done. And so that's what this young team needs. They need a, a coach to come in and really kind of make sure that, that he's staying on them and that he's pushing them to do the right things. And when they don't do the right things, they don't play. And that's, I think that's the goal here for Chris Finch is, is to set those standards. And, and in the early going here, he's done a good job with that. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the idea was, you know, the duo would be D'Angelo Russell and Cat. Um, I remember Cat was real excited when, when uh, D. Russell came to the team. How does the fan base feel about that duo for them to lead them going forward? You know, I think that they're excited about it. You know, they were certainly nervous when, I mean, for the first year and a half, they'd played five games together because of injuries. And so um, it was not going well. And you're just like, okay, what exactly does this look like? But then, you know, second half of the season, they did see them play together more often. They did see kind of them be effective um, in fourth quarters in you know, and in, in offensively, you saw D'Angelo Russell actually not, you know, be terrible defensively. He made a step, he made strides in that, in that direction. But I do think also though, as the year went along, it really evolved from, okay, it's a cat Russell core to now it's a cat Russell Edwards core. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Anthony Edwards is absolutely now right there in the thick with those two as kind of the main cogs. And so how they kind of, uh, organize the pecking order of that over the next couple of years is going to be interesting because Edwards yeah, I guess is, I guess it really depends on how Edwards ascends. Like where one hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Edwards is a nineteen-year-old. He has a lot to learn, but his talent is undeniable. And so I think that you know there's a scenario that you see where eventually he, you look at him and say like that's the guy. But also in the West, like you need multiple really good players on your team to have a chance, and so. It doesn't mean that, you know, Towns and Russell become less important. No, they become just as important. It's just that you have some more help with you now. And it's it's all about kind of incorporating the three of them together to make sure that everything runs smoothly. And that's going to be kind of the big thing that they got to focus on, you know, in, in the next couple of years here. Do you think the rest of the league, fans, front offices, just everybody kind of underappreciate what Cat is as a shooter? Um, me. <sighs> I wouldn't even say as a shooter. I think everyone knows that he's a great shooter, but I think they do underappreciate him as a, just an overall offensive force. Um, I think when he's playing, when he's healthy and he's totally locked in and he's playing the way that he's capable of playing. I mean, he's a really, really good passer. He's uh, an excellent offensive rebounder. He's an incredible shooter. He's a, he's great in the post. Like he can do whatever you need him to do. And like the numbers that he puts up, you know, he makes it look easy and it's not easy what he does. And so 
Um, I do think that the word has gotten out that, hey, this guy is 40% plus from three and you cannot leave him open out there. But I do think that they they don't understand like how tough he is offensively, how he's relentless, how he can hit you in multiple different ways. Um, he's got a lot of improvement to do, but um, but I think like when everything is going with him, he's a top 10 offensive player for sure. Any chance Jimmy Butler comes back? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I think that has all run its course pretty quickly uh, in, in the year year plus that he was here. What happened in that practice? Like he just basically put the second team on his back and just destroyed everybody. Is that what happened? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know if that's he. he all he did was he came in wanting to cause a scene, and he caused uh, a scene. And okay. that, that's what he did. And like, it was very calculated on his part. He wanted everyone to know that he was going to make it life really difficult for everyone if they kept him around. And that was how he was going to do it. And he was talking a lot of smack and he was, you know, kind of doing things that he does. And, um, and it was all kind of orchestrated to say, you have to trade me or else I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm going to keep wow. making things uncomfortable for everyone involved. And and um, finally, you know, several weeks later, they the Wolves did do that and they traded him. Um, but it was that was all theater on Jimmy Butler's part. He made the decision that he did not want to play here, that he couldn't win here. And he got him out of here. And, you know, he had some success in Philly. They were really good in Miami last year. They were not so good this year. Um, so we'll see kind of long run how it works. But uh, but yeah, that was just Jimmy saying. I got to go and I'm not going to make this easy for you. If you think I'm going to be a good soldier and just. So uh, John, what are, what are you looking forward to with this uh, Timberwolves team going forward before we get out of here? Like you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I want to see, I just want to see what Anthony Edwards does going into year two. Like a lot of times players between and their second year. And so I just want to see him really kind of take the next steps work on his body a little bit, come back with a little more polished game and then see how quickly that moves. I mean, because he, I, I just, I couldn't be higher on him. So I think that it's possible that within a couple of years, like he is a legit, legit star in this league. And, um, and so I'm just really excited to see where his game goes and then how quickly the Timberwolves follow him. John, great stuff. You're always welcome back. Uh, please let us know where we can find you on social media and everywhere else. That's right. Um, uh, thanks for having me, Andrew. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at John Krasinski, J-O-N-K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. And then you can find my work at theathletic.com slash MN for the Minnesota section. Thank you so much, John. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. And big shouts to John for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. We'd greatly appreciate it if you share this episode, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, share it on LinkedIn, share it on your IG stories, tag me at 1-2-Combo on Instagram. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. If you would like to support this podcast even further, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Be on the lookout for episode 273. Combo out.